a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Alpine Stars and Maxis. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve Mathis. FlyRacing.com, bro. Please check them out. FR5 boot, dual hinge, mid-level boot. If you're not quite uh, able to buy one of the higher-end boots, check out the FR5, man. It's uh, it's something that Jason Thomas wears when he rides, and uh, he's a member of RM Army now, and he seems to uh, be able to love this boot. No problem. No issues at all. Also, too, new F2 as well. Uh, new to redesign, lower pricing, uh, better looking, I think, and uh, yeah, some there's definite improvements on that helmet as well. Uh, thanks to the go folks at Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Go to your local dealer, demand to see Fly Racing's latest and greatest, and uh, you'll be uh, very, very happy. Also, too, Maxxis Tires MXST line is out now, developed by Jeremy McGrath. And you know, so you know it's good. Uh, and they're, Chris Kiefer likes them as well. They've got uh, great reviews any, anywhere and everywhere they've been tested. Also, too, uh, light truck tires, mountain bike tires, everything you need tire-wise. Maxxis Tires has got you covered and grabbing the whole shot, just like MC. And Alpine Stars. Love these guys right here. The Tech 10 boot, the most advanced boot in motocross today. Alpine Star protects. That's simply what they do, folks, whether it's on the road race side or moto side. Alpine Stars has some of the coolest, trickest, neatest stuff out there in a lot of cool colors as well. Uh, I love the Tech 7s myself. Uh, really, really enjoy the Tech 7s. If you're looking to get away from a boot that doesn't have a booty, uh, incredible break in time. And, uh, man, they feel really supportive. So I love the Tech 7s. Tech 10, though, if you want to go with the boot, the booty boot, and uh, the A4 chest protector, the A1, uh, anything you, you got for protection-wise, Alpine Stars has got you covered. So here we go. Thanks to those guys. All right, coming up, uh, Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki, Zach White, who uh, wears many hats there at Pro Circuit, but uh, he's mostly a crew chief. Been around the sport a long, long time, as you'll hear, and uh, a real quiet guy, a real understated guy. I had to kind of talk him into doing a podcast with me, but uh, I think you'll enjoy it. He's got a lot of cool things to talk about, and you can see this passion for building better motors uh, comes through in this podcast. So, again, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Here's Zach White. All right, everybody. And now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars, Pro Circuit Kawasaki's crew chief, I guess, Zach White. What's up, Zach? How are you, man? I'm good. Uh, maybe uh, crew chief's good. Um, how about this guy who does a little bit of everything? Does that does that work? Yeah. Aaron Johnson that used to work at Pro Circuit said before that I should just be the master of everything that's important. Right, okay. That would be my title. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Right. But tell me you don't do any customer stuff. No, I mean, occasionally. Oh, really? Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wear a lot of hats at Pro Circuit. Yeah, I know. Absolutely, sure. right? Uh, While well, we're doing this at the end of October, uh, Supercross testing has begun. Um, how's it going so far? How, how do you like it? Your work is, is uh, at the track or, or late at night at the dyno trying to, trying to find a, a motor package, huh? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't get to spend as much time at the track as I would like because I'm here at the shop Mm -hmm. building parts and and on the dyno quite a bit. And, uh, but this, this time of the year is always, it's not really considered an off season for me. I mean, I hope on the weekends, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember after my mechanic days, I mean, we were, we were going to last national and, Testing Supercross on Thursday, the next week. That was it. Yeah. It was go time. 
Yeah, and especially if you're going to do U.S. Open back in the day or Monster yep. Cup now, I mean, you're right into it. Right. Um, so you don't. You had a new model last year, right? To break down a little bit. Uh, 2017 was was all new. Yeah. Okay. Um, does that give you a lot more work um, as far as developing yeah, a motor definitely. package? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. New bike is you know a whole bunch of new problems and new yep. challenges and. Even you know you get just figuring out the new model's quirks. Um, does Mitch help you with that? Do you break it down first? Do you guys? Oh no, definitely. Yeah. Like every every little thing we do here on the team is like a complete team effort. Like everybody's involved from the mechanics, suspension, yep. chassis. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of a little bit involved in everything to right. some extent. Now you were a mechanic for a while. Um, do you miss Do you miss that part of it? I mean, obviously, look, you have more responsibilities, and you're probably making more money than the average mechanic at the at Pro Circuit because you've been there for a long time and, and you've earned it. But um, there isn't there isn't that. And I just did a, a podcast with Rich Simmons, who who stopped working for Sealy this year, and, and Patrick Barker uh, at JGR, mm-hmm. and we yeah. all talked about what we loved about the job all the work and everything else. What we loved about the job was the racing on the track on Saturdays, um, the ghost bumps from your rider doing well, uh, and all, you know, seeing uh, somebody get rewarded. But you are kind of, you're happy for everybody, and everybody on the team has ups and downs. And if, if, if Adam Cincerello wins, then, then Marty Davalos had a bad night. Like, you're kind of overseeing the whole thing. Do you remember from your wrenching days what it was like, and do you miss some of that? Or how, how, do, how do you feel about being sort of a boss of all the all the riders well yeah um being involved in all four of our riders programs it's it's usually bittersweet at the Mm -hmm. end of the night yep no matter what but you're still really happy for the guy who's done really good and and um yeah we had one night here at pro circuit in 2010 in vegas yeah that was pretty good (laughs) where everybody was happy right (laughs) one two three four yeah but Generally, though, it's a little bittersweet. You know, you can never be fully happy. And um, back, you know, when I was a mechanic, you know, I had some success. And and it was good. Like, I don't remember, um, I don't know. I guess I've always felt like I'm part of the team more than I am, like, a rider. And just me and the rider. Yeah. Like, I'd say I always felt like a little bit something for my fellow mechanic okay. know, on, yeah, on my yeah. team. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Just a different way of looking at the races right now, right, for you. Um, as as crew chief, uh, how much involvement? Uh, obviously, you, you talk to the riders and you work with the riders. But as far as on a race day, are you dealing with the mechanics and, hey, we need to change this, and, hey, here's the mapping, hey, we're going to do this, what about a tire? Or are you also, Zach, talking to the riders a lot about what they do on the track, or is that more Mitch's department and then you are in charge of the motorcycle? Or how does that work, sort of? Yeah, there's no there's no uh, hard line on that, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. on our team, it's it's we try to keep it – we try to keep a general um, – Flow of information to the rider through the channels that they prefer, whether it's through their parents on you mm-hmm. know certain certain you know riding elements, but yep. or or directly to them. It just depends on the rider, and um, and also the just the day itself, and mm-hmm. whether you know if if they're getting a lot of info from everybody, you know I usually try to keep it simple, keep it light, yep. and just look for you know, issues, let them know I'm here, what, what not, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, generally I deal with the mechanics more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just overseeing, you know, what they're doing as far as, you know, Oh, you know, you're having problems here, you know, let's do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how much has data and EFI changed your job? You know, a lot because it's very time-consuming. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, you know, this this time of year, it kind of takes a backseat to development a little bit as far as, like, on the bike. But, um, you know, we're still actively using using it, using data mm-hmm. all the time. And, 
but uh i would say like at the races um the data is really important probably more so from like a diagnostics mm-hmm. thing and uh trying to help the rider out of a certain situation section maybe they might be struggling in a lot of times i can you know if they're struggling in a certain yeah. section i can look at the data and maybe get a uh clue to as to why right or, or the best way to help them maybe mm-hmm. and uh it's a very time consuming job though to get data into it's very finicky stuff um and it requires constant attention yeah yeah it's it's crazy how you guys can look at a a map of the track and be like, oh, hey, we'll give you a little bit more fuel here or, or we'll take some away or we'll change the RPMs here or something, right? Like, it's just, it's so insane now uh, for what you guys got to do. And it just adds to your workload, right? Yeah. I mean, luckily with our sport, it's like, it's usually not a make it or break it deal for the no, race. No, Because like, it, it, it is, you know, 90% the rider. And it's more about, yeah, just helping the rider out and where he's struggling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as the bike's running the way it's supposed to, you know, and, you know, just tweaks here and there. Yeah. Um, just to help the rider's confidence. You guys at Pro Circuit have won so many titles and so many races, but it was a bit of a lean year this year zach for you guys um yeah what what's that like what i mean what's that like for 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 you guys as a team do you do you notice the mitch getting a little crankier or everybody getting a little i mean just there was so much success at monster energy pro circuit that i gotta think at some point it becomes sort of expected and then when when shitty things happen to teams and it happens quite a bit uh how does that change things or did you notice it or anything else um, I mean, definitely there's some frustration at times, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, generally it's, it's kind of honestly a little bit new to me too, the past few years, like, yeah. <laughs> cause I got pretty lucky in the beginning of my career, you know, from the year 2000 with through 2002 with Yamaha Troy yep. and then, you know, as somebody on the team won, won a championship every year Yeah, and so happened last year it was me but and then uh and then starting with pro circuit in 2003 that was a pretty rough year for the team as well yeah i think we won one race that season with brown outdoors and uh but then when the four stroke came to us in 2004 you know since then it was yeah. it was pretty good and you know we get pizza for victories and there's a few times where i was like i don't want to say this but i'm actually a little bit sick of pizza yeah but, no i know really you know, i hate to admit that but i'm still gonna eat it and i'm not gonna fit <laughs> um, no absolutely no, but it hasn't hasn't been that way lately though no so, yeah. um and i mean certainly between marty and adam uh and joey uh those are three race winning guys that have won a ton of races but it just didn't work out you know injuries and whatever else happened. So, um, yeah, it's gotta be weird for you guys to be like, Hey, wait, we're not winning all the time. What's weird. What's up with this? <laughs> yeah. And you know, like we've had years where we've won a lot of races and no championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been frustrating. Yeah. This year we just didn't plain didn't win a lot of races or championships, but, mm-hmm. um, I felt like our equipment is good and our riders are great. It's just, everybody else's equipment is also good yeah and there's also some other great riders we're racing and it's just hasn't worked out in our favor i i I really believe that everybody on the team has been doing every bit that they can Mm -hmm. to make you know make the deal happen yep and Uh, nothing has changed there that's for sure no i wouldn't think so um the, the Drino Miller, uh, he's passed away now, uh, but somebody that Mitch hired to help him with four-stroke motors uh, when when everything started going that way from TRD. How much did he teach you? What was he like as a guy? How much did he help you out? You know, I definitely consider him a mentor of, of for, you know, in my life and stuff. He was a very interesting guy. You know, he mm-hmm. won the Baja 1000, and he had done sprint cars, and he had done Indy cars. And, mm-hmm you know, he'd kind of been all over the map and had a ton of experience in a lot of different situations. And, um, he was pretty good to me. Like he, he was 
willing to, you know, share yep. anything, but you you had to be on your game when you talked to him. <laughs> you yeah. didn't want to ask a stupid question. Right, like, right. You had, right. you had to, like, kind of have a game plan when you talked to him because he, mm-hmm. he would call you out right away. Yeah. Oh, that's, but, uh, that's great. No, Adrena was really awesome. I miss him a lot. And, yep. um, uh, I I would say for sure, like, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't have the knowledge base that I have mm-hmm. um, without his help. For right. Sure. Um, you do a lot of work on the dyno, and uh, at times at Yamaha when Red Dog got hurt so much, I was doing a ton of dyno work also. And uh, I was also supermoto stuff was going on, so I was doing work for that. Huge carburetors, huge valve size, huge intake and exhaust. Like, we were just going for max power for Supermoto. Mm-hmm. And then also, yeah. too, at one point, I think Yamaha was deciding what exhaust to use. And so I was. they put me in charge of dynoing. They asked for everybody's best exhaust for a YZ450. And there I was, and, and you know, dynoing away and everything else. Um, so I always found it interesting, and I found it really cool. We had an older program, the DynoJet older program. So I think you guys have probably been advanced from there. But do you... Um, do you, I enjoyed the tinkering. I enjoyed seeing what I was doing, uh, pistons, cams, exhausts, and what it would do on the run to the point where I was like excited to get on the run to see where this thing would add power and what it would do to the curve. Um, do you like that part of it or is it old to you now, Zach? You've done so much of it. Do you, but do you still get excited uh, no, to sit there? Old. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you go, you know, you start. One thing that changes though is the size of your gains from whenever you're uh-huh. whenever you're starting out versus whenever you're you have a fully tuned package and you're trying to you know bring a little bit more out of it. Mm-hmm. So, but definitely like the the thing, I guess it's always exciting to when you make power that you didn't have before. Yeah, and you know especially when the riders ride it and they're they're faster, they're happier. You know that. And then when you win, eventually, then that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's even better. But yeah. now definitely, uh, you know, finding power, whether it's through efficiency or, you know, finding a, maybe you make, can make power in a certain way that's mm-hmm. not so efficient, but it causes other problems to, yeah. to address. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wh- whichever way you're doing it, it's always like a puzzle and it's fun to figure out. I always found it. I, I thought it was exciting for me. I don't have nearly the amount of time on it that you did, but I always found it like, what is this thing going to do? Where is it going to drop off? Where is it going to gain? You know? Um, and and once again, will you tell everybody listening that, like, whatever dyno your Uncle Bob has doesn't mean that that's the true number it's putting out compared to the Pro Circuit dyno or the FMF yeah. dyno or whatever. Like, this is the biggest misconception, like, I've seen such variables in dyno numbers. You know, it's just like you have to do it on the same dyno on the same day, air temperature, air pressure, everything's the same, and now you'll know the difference, right? Yeah, I mean, you're. It's so easy to get misled with a dyno. If like it's it, and even even you know, pro circuit with as much uh, time on the dyno that's yeah. been done here before I got here. Yep, and it's still like still learn things to make it more uh of a tool mm-hmm. and more accurate and you know we're always kind of trying to get better on the dyno and we use the chassis dyno a lot here at pro circuit yep more than the engine dyno and yep. some of that's just for speed yeah it's and, easy right yeah yeah but uh we've gotten to where we can use it really well and you know find minute changes and power and um i think it's really easy to get misled, and it's super easy to listen to big numbers and, mm-hmm. and go for big numbers. But, yeah, basically, it's only a comparing tool. Like, you can only compare the one, you know, one so many runs in a succession. Like, yeah. if you get too far out of, too far apart, then it, you got to re you know, re-baseline yeah. it and do it again. What was, uh, have you had a big kaboom incident on a dyno? If you had a big, oh uh, yeah, not in a long time, <laughs> okay, actually, but um, definitely have thrown some rods through the cases and <laughs> bang, splattered, splattered some hot oil for sure. Oh, you're just like, oops, too too much there, <laughs> too too far. Yeah, <laughs> um, you work with some great riders in your time there, um, and when I think of the guys that have won 
titles for pro circuit. I mean, God, there's just so many of them, but you know, Dean Wilson and Blake Baggett and Porcel and, and, um, just so many guys, like you said, me mentioned Brown before your time and, and, and all of these guys, Tedesco, GL, they're yeah. so different, but RV, RV. Yeah. Right. How could I forget him? But they're so different. But Zach, like, have you noticed one thing that all these guys have in common? Or when you deal with a rider who comes to the team, and he's and he's a good one, you know, he's he's going to win races and, and championships. What separates them from guys that come to the team and you know are good? Are they're good riders, but they're not champions? Do you, do you find any any similarities with working with these guys and dealing with them day in and day out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing that from successful riders that have been on our team and and not so successful riders is is just the passion they have for uh the sport like and winning and yeah i guess being the biggest one but you know it's not always like worth it work ethic uh, i can't talk <laughs> uh, it's not always like their training it's yeah, not yeah. always their talent it's it's i think it's their passion for it and you know what they're willing to put into mm-hmm. it like mentally Right, right, and you do you do you feel like you can tell that early on? You've been, I mean, you work with so many guys. Um, that's not as easy, I would say. I no. mean, to ahead of time, yeah. I mean, you really you have to really get to know them well before you see. Like, obviously, you can see speed pretty quick, mm-hmm. and you can see their work ethic pretty quick, but the their focus and and what they're passionate about really i think it takes a little bit to see i always found it like obviously i worked with chad was probably the biggest elite guy and, and langston no actually langston too at ktm when he came over mm-hmm. i worked with i didn't work for those guys but i was on their teams and i think to me both of them on test days would feel like shit or would complain and moan or or wouldn't have good times or there'd be guys who were faster than them on a test day or a practice day or whatever it is. And then, yeah. damn it, Zach, on race day, GL and, and Chad, you know, yeah. they would step up they every time. together. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you found that too? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. The the I would say that, yeah, that's been – that's a huge factor as well, mm-hmm. like being able to perform on race day. For yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, how much have you seen parents, wives, girlfriends? How much of a problem? I, I, I maybe I use that term loosely, problem, but because uh, they're not all a problem. Lots of them, are, lots of them are great. But man, it is. It's a huge hurdle, or a huge. I don't want to say hurdle. That's also bad. But it's 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 a factor that you and Mitch and everybody on the team has to deal with. Like. How a crazy are these people? How b supportive are they? How do we talk to them? Like it's almost because uh, you're dealing with younger guys. It's a huge deal, isn't it? No, it is. That's that is a, a huge deal. You mentioned the age of our riders, and mm-hmm. you know they're always they're all in that phase of their life where they're you know getting out on their own. They're getting more serious girlfriends. They're getting more fun, you know, more mm-hmm. funds in their bank account. They're, yeah. You know, so they're growing a lot while they're on our team, even though they're only here for three or four years. Yep. Like, you know, they're growing a lot as a person in that time. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's different with everybody. And I would say with, with the parents and the, and the girlfriends and stuff like that, wives, it's been, you know, it's just a relationship like anybody else that you're working with yeah. and you're kind of, it's a little team within a team and some are, some mm-hmm. are easier to work with and some are harder to work with, but yeah, some have better goals and, than others. But yeah, I think, uh, it's always a little bit of a challenge, but I wouldn't say it's more of a challenge than working with anybody else. Yeah. The, 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 you know, the parents are when things aren't going well, you know, people who think that you guys are working, you know, you don't want their rider to succeed, their kid to succeed. It's the dumbest thing ever, but they start thinking that. And you're like, yeah, look, we're all working really hard for your son because then he makes us look good. Nobody wants your son to suck here, parent. You yeah. Know, like, yeah, I wouldn't say, like, we've had too much of that on our team. Like, right. I think, uh, I think Mitch has a pretty good reputation for, mm-hmm. 
having a hard work ethic and um you know all the mechanics that we hire like they they don't come here because you know Mitch pays them more they don't come here because they um you know are cool guys or yeah. whatever like yeah. that. like they come here because they want to work on one of the best teams that has been around and mm-hmm. they want to one of the big things is our mechanics do their own engines. They build their own engines every week. So yeah. they're involved in, like, every aspect. They're involved in testing. They're involved in, and you know, it's a lot of work, and it's yeah. more than some of the other teams now. They're more specialized yeah. positions. But uh, I think that's a big part, and I think I think the parents see that. Right. You know, they, they see that, you know, everybody's involved in all the little areas. You know, no one's just you know, sitting there on their phone all day. <laughs> right. I think, uh, and I think when I was a mechanic and the perception was out there, like if you work at, at pro circuit and you succeed as a mechanic there, you can get a factory job. Like everyone will hire you, you know? And I think that's still true. Yeah. I mean, I would like to think so. I yep. think, I think, uh, our guys that have moved on over the years, I think they've done pretty well for themselves. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, was Christoph Porcel the most unique rider that you've ever worked with? Um, yeah, definitely. I can't can't ever <laughs> you know imagine another guy like him coming along or or right, you know, right. I haven't met anybody <laughs> else like quite like him. But Lo- at the same time, like yeah, like it was really enjoyable. He 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 should have two outdoor titles. He really should. You know, he just unfortunate yeah. things that happened to him, but. He, you could you could make a case that he was the best guy in both of those outdoor seasons also that he lost to Dungeon Canard. Yeah. Um Yeah, definitely. I I would agree with that. Were those stories true about the low hour meter and everything and all that, Zach? Well, definitely like he didn't ride as much as some of the other guys yeah. at the time. Um whether we rode enough or 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 not enough, like that's pretty hard to say but yeah no like uh he definitely rode less right sure right right and (laughs) but that was but i don't ever discount his focus or his passion like yeah he was committed yeah no you don't win those races yeah you don't win those races that if you you know by not being that way um yeah he he was always thinking you know when he wasn't on the bike he's thinking about it like you could just see yeah where his focus was at (laughs) Do you have a couple of favorite guys you worked with over the years? At the, I mean, there's so many of them, but do you have a – and they don't need to be the guys that won all the time or whatever, but do you have a couple of guys that you really bonded with and, and really enjoyed I mean, we've with? had some really cool personalities come through here, that's yeah. for sure. And, um, you know, certain guys are always kept you on your toes. And, and certain guys, you know, maybe weren't always the most fun to be around because they're, you know, super serious, mm-hmm. maybe super hard on themselves, you know. Yep. Yeah, expecting a lot, but in the end, you know they're they're. I don't know. I don't. I can't think of anybody that's been on the team that's I haven't gotten along with. I'm kind of like that though. Like, yeah, yeah. You're a pretty easygoing guy. But what about guys that you really liked working with? Was there some that you, you know, you really got a well got along well with? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I really liked working with Ben Townley. Like, oh yeah, he's, yep. he's a great guy. You know, he's a good. You know, good all-around person for sure, and yep. um, I'd say, you know, like I gen- genuinely like just about everybody that's been on the team. Though, honestly, yeah. Yep. How many times did you sit Stroop down and just be like, "Come on, dude, come on, yeah, Austin"? I mean, because I mean, he's a good Austin guy. Was, he was a good guy. Yeah, you know, really cool kid. Yeah, tons of talent, tons of, you know, he worked hard as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen him put in the work and. You know, his focus was just maybe a little off. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say. <laughs> uh. Race tech suspension and engines, people. Pulpum X18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech. Guys like the Hep Suzuki team and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. 
Axis tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. Hey, let's get back into the time machine a little bit and talk about uh, your path to Pro Circuit. Um, now, you're part of the Albuquerque Mafia with uh, Tedesco's and Johnson's and and, uh, and Aaron Johnson and yourself, and I'm probably missing some people in there. Um, what? Wh- when did you meet these guys, and who, who are you related to or who are you not related to, or, or how does all <laughs> that work in New Mexico? People need to know that at one time there was so many people from New Mexico uh, racing and have, having success, but how, do, how did that all begin for you? Uh, well, for me, started with my dad. He worked for Bob J's Yamaha in Albuquerque, and okay, already I see where it's coming. Right, okay, got it. Yeah, so he, yeah, so he worked for the Johnsons, and mm-hmm. um, and I think he was a service manager there at Bob J's, and um, and he rode as well. And then you know my grandpa rode uh, street bikes, and mm-hmm. then but my dad got into doing flat track and that sort of thing. And then when I started racing motocross was getting more big so you know i started racing motocross and and then um so growing up around albuquerque that was the the crew i ended up being around with quite a bit was um the johnsons are you are you same age as those guys or where are you at in age wise um yeah i'm i'm about well a few months older than isaiah johnson okay few months older than keith johnson okay all right so like right in that area yeah yeah yeah. i'm a little bit younger than ryan clark like yep um but yeah so we all we're all kind of like in the same age group i guess and and we rode together quite a bit like i i actually lived outside of albuquerque Mm -hmm. on the east side Mm -hmm. and uh so i maybe didn't get to ride with them you know all the time but you know definitely few times a month we were getting together and yeah and you know i you know certain you know as you grow up you know certain guys get faster and then yeah. other guys you know so as 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 we grew up i mean there was always a fast guy you're chasing so how fast did you how how far did you make it in riding and racing um i i uh you know, I never had any real aspirations of being a professional rider. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I got, I got to like local pro. Uh, yeah. And then, and then, pretty much decided that I, you know, wanted to find. I didn't want to make a living as a motocross rider. Like I didn't yeah. think that that was in the cards for me. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I'm similar. I got to be a local pro in Canada, and I started getting hurt. And I started not riding as well, and I'm like, this ain't going to happen. <laughs> this is not going <laughs> to yeah. Like, I, I did think about that when I was 14, 15, and but, you know, by the time 18, 19 hit, I'm like, ain't going to work as a racer anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I love riding still. I don't get to as much, mm-hmm. just working so much and having yep. a family and everything. It's pretty tough, but, um, no, it's like I loved riding always, and then, but racing i wasn't quite as serious about so who was always fastest like obviously ivan probably had the most success made the most money out of everybody uh certainly keith had a nice career kevin isaiah was fast at a few years but yeah when you were growing up like who was the best i mean ryan clark was always he was the kind of the well he wasn't always the oldest but out of the guys we've talked about tonight he was yep older he was the oldest but yep. and he was generally one of the fastest as well yep. regardless of age and then um so i guess we were always kind of chasing him and there were some older guys too like sean morga robbie claus and who's caitlin claus's uh father that's pretty fast now and who's the guy uh, uh travis hodges yeah, Travis Hodges. He right? he didn't always live in Albuquerque. Oh, okay. but He was in the New Mexico area, and he lived in Albuquerque for a time, and he was always really fast as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was pretty quick. Yeah, Brian Edwards raced with him a lot, ran mm-hmm. across. And there was a good. There was always somebody to go ride with. Right. Um, and I, I've been told by people, I'm talking to other people, Ivan might have been the 
least likely guy to have done what he did as a pro. Like, he was good, don't get me wrong, but to be uh, a Motocross the Nation's hero and a national champion, a two-time Supercross champion, I was told that that's kind of like, I think I was talking to Buckaloo about that. Buckaloo was like, yeah, I mean, he was good, but no one ever thought he'd be that good. Yeah, uh, Justin and Ivan were kind of, they were really similar in age, and they were uh-huh. always a little bit rival. There was always a little bit of rivalry there. Right, right. And some of that was like, Justin was always really serious, and you know, always had a structured program, mm-hmm. and Ivan was always super, you know, <laughs> kind of more on his own. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, his parents were both working, so it was, it was like, you know, and Justin's parents worked too, but they had their own business, so they had a little bit more flexibility. And yeah, I think, uh, I think some of that was like, I don't know, it just didn't seem to work out the way you thought it would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did a podcast with Buckley, and he's a he's a really nice dude, and like he was fast, but he just got hurt when he turned pro. He won one race, and then Yamaha let him go, and 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 it was just one of those things where you're like, Yamaha yeah. invested so much into him for like six or seven years, or four or five years, let's say, and then they have he has one injury season as a pro, and they're like, uh, yeah, see you later after a couple of years, like really weird. Yeah, you know, uh, like, he 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 went through that transition, the the young adult time and it was tough like you know as he grew Mm -hmm. you know right at the end of amateurs you know he got a couple injuries and and yamaha stuck by him by that pretty good and you know still still was fast still ended up on yamaha troy which Mm -hmm. you know he was the one that actually convinced me to be a mechanic because oh really yeah i really didn't think i had any uh you know chance at being a professional mechanic and um but i always loved tinkering working on my car yeah, yeah. and everything you know and then um you know i was helping the other guys out at the track and um he's the one that's like hey you know why don't why don't you you know help me out with my practice bikes and then you know i'll see what i can do you know about oh okay know, getting you a, uh, getting you a job and so yeah so then that's that's kind of how i ended up uh, working at Yamaha Troy was through Justin. Oh, see, I and thought I thought it was gonna. I have on my notes here that I was gonna ask if you started at Bobby J Star Yamaha. You know, that I thought, I thought that maybe that'd no, be that'd be where no. you get in. Yeah, no, it was actually with Justin, and you know, the last year, the last year he was amateur. I I worked on his practice bikes and and went to him with the to the bigger races, and then he got me a job at Yamaha Troy. Okay. And I was super green that year um, as far as being on a team. And then, but also I had a Dan Worley who was Roncada's mechanic and yeah. he was, you know, from Canada and he was uh, green as well. It was his first year. So yeah. luckily we had some pretty good mentors <laughs> with uh, Kenny Germain and Dave Feeney. Yeah. And yeah. they uh, showed us the ropes. Feeney's still doing it, Zach. Good God. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> He's still like, doing it. <laughs> and, yeah, and having a lot of success. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so, oh, okay. So, Justin puts in a word for you, and you go to Yamaha Troy. Um, so, you moved out of California, the whole thing. You're just you're in now. That's it. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, and honestly, I, I really didn't have plans on doing it as long as I have, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of addicted <laughs> yeah, uh, I think none of us had plans we were to do it as long as we did, right? Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely it 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 uh consumes you a little bit for sure. How about Worley straight off the farm in Saskatchewan to winning championships with Ron Cotta? God, I was bitter, Zach. I was so bitter. <laughs> I was so bitter. I'm like, come on, Worley, because we had a lot of mutual friends, and he's from yeah. one. He's one province over from me, and uh, I was always so bitter. I'm just like, I've been toiling away since '96 <laughs> with crappy teams and riders, and Worley shows up and just he's, he's Ron Ron's just killing it. So, I was yeah, bitter. no, I mean it's it's there's many ways to the top, I guess. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, is that? Uh, is Flipper still there? Is Kehoe still there? Yeah. The yeah. first the first two years I was at Yamaha Troy, Kehoe was the manager and um you know, Phil was in and out. Yeah. He was you know, depending on right. what he had going on. Yep. Um, so uh they tell you you're gonna work for this Australian kid named Chad Reed. And you're just like, Huh? Who's that? 
Or did you know him? <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I had seen, uh, you know, a lot of pictures and, and you know, the magazines because he had a lot of success the year before uh-huh. at, uh, at, uh, uh, Young the group over there. Yeah, Young the group. group. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, so that, I had seen like lots of pictures on like like this kid has style. Right. And it was actually a kind of a last minute deal that I was going to work for him. Um, I think Dave Feeney was actually supposed to work for him. Oh yeah. And then and then things fell through somehow, and and I ended up um, having a uh, you know, I was hoping actually to work for Justin Buckley again, mm-hmm. and then things didn't work out there, and that's just the way it ended up, really. Yeah, uh, he's a tough guy to work for, isn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah, he w- he was very demanding. <laughs> yeah, um, but he had that focus, like he knew what he was thinking about, and well, he was always like, bitter because he, you know, he wanted a four fifty rod, two fifty back then. He didn't want yeah, a twenty five. Yeah, he always he, considered himself right. a two fifty cc guy. He hated the Smith goggles. He God, he hated the Smith goggles. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. like he was just always complaining. He wasn't happy. No, he he demanded the most out of everybody, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, we had a we had a good run that year in Supercross. Yeah, lost only one race, right? Yeah, yeah, and he, it, you know, another lap or two, and he would have had that one, I think, I believe. But mm-hmm. yeah, as we went into motocross season, it got a little a little bit more bumpy yeah what what sort of happened there like what was the deal at some point dot dave die ends up working for him late in the year yeah the last four i believe okay and i think that was craig dack idea just oh yeah to change change it up because chad was bumming pretty hard he was he was really hard on himself and he he's Struggled racing Bubba for sure. Yeah, well, remember Bubba let him buy that year, right? He was. Yeah, that was actually the last race I worked. <laughs> Unadilla. <laughs> was there anything to do with you, Zach? Did you think you had something to do with that? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a smooth race for me. I think we had a main bearing. Did you? Yeah. Saturday practice. And, yeah, yeah. You know, we we're rebuilding the motor Saturday night in the semi, and yeah, it was it was a. Uh, not the smoothest weekend for me as well, but mm-hmm. but generally it was it was super rough on Chad, and, and I think the whole team was just looking for something. Yeah, um, I had a moment like that too, though at FMF Honda. Like I went to, I was doing well, and I was a privateer mechanic, and then I got a job with FMF Honda, which is you know Honda support team, and I, I fucked some things up when I was there, and part of it was due to I was hung over one time, I got a couple hours of sleep, and. I, I, I screwed things up, and then they fired me at the end of the year. And, you know, you didn't get fired. You went to Pro Circuit. But I had some adversity with FMF Honda that made me think, like, shit, can I do this at the next level? Can I can I pull this off? Um, you know, and, and luckily I, I straightened up a little bit and really focused, and things went well. But did you have that moment a little bit with you when they said, hey, man, uh, Dave Dye's going to come in and work for Chad Reed now? Did you have some thoughts about? Honestly, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of hit to your confidence for sure when right? something like yeah. that happens because you're yep. doing everything you feel like you can do and and you know it wasn't it by no means was you know easy but and then but I don't know I definitely took it like you know and they they explained it like you know it's yep. you know it's not you it's me <laughs> <laughs> of course they did of course they did right no but uh, but seriously it was uh it was definitely a little bit of a hit to my confidence, but mm-hmm. then the the last race of the year over there, I ended up working for uh, Roderick Thane. Oh yeah, and because he was coming back from an injury, and uh, Dave Dye was actually his mechanic, and then so they gave him one last ride, um, you know, so he can try to get a deal for the next year because he wasn't signed up. Yeah, and he actually did the best of all four guys on the team. <laughs> and you're like, sweet. City that year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was, I mean, it had nothing to do with me, really. It was right. just him. Me, you know, Roger was a great rider, and he yep. needed to ride. And, um, But anyway, I guess it made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. Like, Because I, I, I was around then. I was at 
where was I at? I was at Motor Triple X when it kind of happened, you know? And, yeah, you just feel like a, you feel a bit bummed for another guy that, you know, got booted off working for this other guy. Like, you know, you're just like, man, that sucks. Like, and I'd, I'd been there at FMF Honda, so I kind of kind of understood how that went a little bit you know it's 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 not always the mechanic's fault but sometimes it is and sometimes guys just want to change you know and then that happens right like i mean but at the same time i think guys like you and i you know who are just starting out you're like holy shit can i still do this job am i good you know so yeah you know it definitely was a hit to my confidence but i gotta say it was more of a relief yeah yeah because i was honestly putting everything i had into it and mm-hmm. chad wasn't happy yep and you know the it wasn't it wasn't like yep. It wasn't enough. Like yeah. I don't know if I could have made that difference or not, but like it wasn't working. So, yeah. um, um, so then did you go to Pro Circuit the next year? Yeah, I went to Pro yeah. Circuit the very next year. So who who, um, who approaches who, or how does that come together? Well, basically, I think Bundy Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, you know, I worked with him at Yamaha Troy. You know, he worked for Nathan Ramsey, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, he put in a good word with Mitch for me, I believe. And then, and then, uh, honestly, I, I lived in Corona the whole time, which is about two hours and which was getting to be two and a half hours. And now I'm sure it's like three or four hours to Valencia. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But, (laughs) um, so that was a, that was a hard struggle. Um, just doing the commute all the time. And, Mm -hmm. and I learned that that's probably not a healthy thing and that, uh, I needed to needed to work closer to where I lived, mm-hmm. and then I had, you know, I lived in Corona, and Pro Circuit was in Corona. Pro Circuit was a great team, so mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, if uh, if I have an opportunity over there, that's where I want to go. But you weren't a mechanic, right? No, I was a mechanic the first. Oh, year you were? For, oh, okay. Uh, for Matt Walker. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought three, you went right into like he a... made it. He made it most of the Supercross series, and I think at Salt Lake he blew his knee out uh-huh. so i didn't work as a mechanic all summer um and but it just so happened that the the 250f pre-pro bike we mm-hmm. had at that time so i went straight to work <laughs> on that thing and i was busy the whole time if 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 uh if matt walker doesn't blow his knee out who knows what you end up doing right i mean kind of a little bit right yeah, I mean, there's yeah. always that chance. I mean, you never know the things, the way things are going. But <clears throat> I do think Mitch hired me because, <clears throat> sorry, because I had some four-stroke experience. Yep, yep. At Yamaha Troy, and um, at that time, none of the other mechanics on the team did, or even at Pro Circuit, there wasn't much yeah. four-stroke experience here. There was Dave Chase, and uh, you know he had a, quite a bit. Yeah, um, from his desert racing, desert racing days and service, yeah, service department days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then and then he hired Drino that year in 2003 as well, and then you know he obviously had loads of experience. Dave Chase, uh, another guy that's that's passed on too early. Uh, what a help he was to me. I when I worked for Way in '02, and we were having some clutch problems, and Dave was trying to help me, so Nick wasn't going to fire me and freak out on me and talk about that. Like I wasn't doing. He was just abusing the <laughs> shit out of the clutch, right? And uh, yeah. And Dave Chase, man, he he stayed after and helped me and showed me some ch- tips and tricks and and uh, what a guy, well, really cool guy, man. No, uh, really cool guy. Yeah, super super into like you know helping anyone out for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was just some greaseball privateer mechanic, and I I think he stayed an hour and a half after after work one day, and we dug into this clutch problem we were having. You know, so um, yeah, he he loved to teach and yep, yeah, I learned tons from him as well. Um. Well, for me, I had no four-stroke experience either, Zach, but uh, when I got to Yamaha, they were like, hey, you know, you got to learn these motors a little bit, so here's a bunch of Doug Henry motors. Just disassemble them and throw them away, like, you know, they're garbage now, and then as you're as you're disassembling them, like, look at them and see what you, th- you know, look at how they work, and I'm like, okay, all right, so that's kind of how I got introduced how to work on four-stroke motors a little bit, so. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way, I guess. Yeah. Um, hey, so when you... Was Osterman there as a team manager? Uh, Dave Osterman was here uh, in 04. In 04, okay. Um, um, Ali Seymour was actually the team manager when I came in 03. Right. So there was Jim, and Jimmy Perry, who I had at Yamaha. But um, So Mitch had some team managers for a little while, Ali and, and Osterman. And, am I missing anybody, or is that it? Um, no, I think that's about it. So 
why did he decide just to pull away and do it more himself and and kind of and you're one of the guys in his circle of trust that you know also helps run the team um is it just something with not having a manager mitch felt like you know he he could just do it all i think mitch likes to keep things small uh-huh. as much as he can and i think I think he feels like you get too many people involved and, you know, things get lost in translation and, uh-huh. you know, it doesn't happen the way he wants it to happen. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think he likes to be involved. It's kind of like the whole, that's, I think where it comes, you know, the whole wearing a lot of hats thing comes from the top here. Right. And, right. <laughs> and Mitch has definitely got quite a few hats and, and, you know, obviously not one person can do everything. So he end up, yeah. Lending hand here right. and there. Um, how has Mitch changed? Obviously, like since the Pingree days and Rhino days, I mean, Nick Way, the stories of him shipping tennis shoes to riders as a note to be in better shape. <laughs> and, yeah. and and the days of him yelling and screaming at, well, I guess he still yelled and screamed at Hanny a lot. But, I mean, there were a lot of yelling and screaming at, and you know, before your time, let's say, and how? But he, since you've been there, how has he changed? Uh, everyone tells me he's more mellow than he's ever been. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely he's not yelling at everybody. That's for sure. Like, <laughs> I mean, certain personalities, you know, it, it. He's definitely mellowed out a little bit. Yeah, and um, but he still gets. He does. Okay, so he's still oh, there's yeah. still the moments. No, I, I still see that side. For sure. <laughs> like, is it due to poor results or, or things breaking or what is it that sets him off? Um, it's hard to say sometimes, honestly. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, it could be any number of things. Right. No, generally, like, like it's a frustrating deal when you're not getting the results that you're looking for, mm-hmm. and you know you can you know, search through the haystack to find a needle and figure it out. And, and it's just time consuming and frustrating. So, I mean, everybody gets frustrated. Right. Does he ever, you know, I I don't imagine you're a source of frustration for him. You're a hard worker. You're a quiet guy. I mean, Uh, sometimes, sometimes I'm not as quick as he'd like to be. Oh, really? (laughs) He he likes instant gratification. (laughs) You're like, Mitch, I just got the cam 30 minutes ago. Give me some time. (laughs) Well, yeah, we kind of have a joke because he'll, he'll ask me when I get a new part, he'll ask me how it was before I even have it unboxed. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's just kind of the joke. Right. Right. I E get on that Zach. I E (laughs) get on that. And when he, when he starts running his hands through his hair, you know, it's trouble too. You know, it's trouble. Definitely the taller his hair is, the the more (laughs) you want to watch out. (laughs) That's that's what everyone tells me. He (laughs) called me like about a week and a half ago and, and, phone rings and i'm like oh boy like i i mean i'm just like i don't know maybe something uh i'm scared to death to answer this it was it was a it was a <laughs> it was a cool call there was no issues uh you just want to talk about a couple things but um you know when when it says mitch payton on your phone you're just like oh my god what what's what could this be right yeah no i actually it's intimidating for me even after working for so for him for so long but yeah i have a one day on the plane He's making goofball faces, you know, we're just goofing off. Right. I don't know, maybe had a couple beers, I don't know. But uh-huh. uh so I snapped a photo of him and he's like cross eyed or something and that's his picture when he that's what comes <laughs> up when he calls me. Nice. <laughs> I like it. it up. I like it. Um yeah, I just he's mellowed over the years. He's got older, he's got kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. But some of those stories from back in the day you're just like, Holy smokes. You know. So he was not scared. Yeah, I mean I think he expects a lot from the riders, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, I think our riders, you know, I think he sees that they've been trying and and putting in the effort. Yeah. I think he calls them out when they're when he doesn't think they are. Yeah. Still, like for sure. Well, and he might be a little bit more tactful about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I notice is is uh, on and off the record. Mitch is different. You know, I'm in the media now, right? I've known him for a long time. Yeah. And I'm in the media, so I'll say to him like, "Hey, dude, what's up with this guy?" And he'll tell me, like, oh, this fucking guy and the parents and this, uh, over the years. And then 
I'll interview him on the show or after the race. And, dude, he always tries to put on a positive face and a positive spin on it. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's important to him um, to, 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 you know, to always act like you're believing in your guys and, and that public show the public that you believe in the riders that you picked and they'll turn it around and everything yeah. else. And I think I like that. I don't mind that bit of difference there. Like, I, under, I get it. You know, like, he's, he wants to be supportive publicly for all of his guys and his bikes and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like that about him. I think that that part's no, fine. Definitely. You know? I mean, any like negativity like that doesn't really help yeah. yep. the rider out. No, exactly. But if you want to ask him off the record a little bit of stuff, he'll be like, "Yeah, you know, we're working and this going on." You know, so I mean, that's cool. You know, he helps. He gives you no, a good information. Yeah, we, so. we definitely have our challenges and we definitely have our frustrations and right. Yeah. Um. So there's no bones. There's no bones. Yeah. Well. He was here today. Oh, he was? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, All right. He, Bones is still in the <laughs> shadows. Bones is lurking. Okay. Yeah. I I, I was going to ask you what that's like, but, I mean, he's still lurking, so. No, I mean, he, he's he's not completely gone 100%, but okay. he's definitely, he's more, there's more pep in his step up put it that way yeah he's in a great mood right fishing being on his own schedule yeah fishing and coming in two days a week or whatever it is does he uh what was he like to work with all those years uh i've always enjoyed bones i've always liked him him and his flip phone and his notes his notebooks with with the shim (laughs) stacks but uh what what was it like with you working working with him for so long um you know it was really cool like he's he's a different animal as well you know he he has his own way of doing things, uh-huh. and he likes to stick to that. You know, a little bit of a creature habit. And uh, but his way of doing things is is pretty thorough. Pretty, you know, he likes to be somewhat scientific about you know how he comes around to things, and mm-hmm. and uh, I guess he's willing to. He always has like. I guess same as everyone else. He wears a lot of hats. Like he's he was our suspension guy, but he was heavily involved in the chassis. Always inquisitive about the engines, you know what that could do to affect other things. Yep. You know, always involved in the riders. Yep. He calls the right. You know, he calls the riders all the time. Yep. See how they're doing. Chat it up, and you know, see what we can do to make things better. And like, um, yeah. So. Yeah. I think having having him not around completely would be a, a definite um, loss for us. Mm-hmm. But the, his role that he's stepping into as like uh, still being somewhat around, you know, in the shadows, mm-hmm. yep. still being some influence sure. is is actually perfect. Yeah. If he's here and he's run down and yeah, testing twenty four seven, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, you know, not getting. I guess the best way to put it is just not like feeling it as much. Then, yeah. then that's that's not going to help anybody. No. So no. I think the situation now is is perfect. Have you had Zach? Have you had opportunities to leave Pro Circuit? You've been there uh, uh, fourteen years now. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, more than that. But okay. uh, yeah. I have had a couple. And, um, and do you, Aaron, your buddy Aaron left, he went to RCH, yeah. now he's at Cowie. Uh, have you, why have you stayed? What have you, what's your goal? What, what, what's, uh, talk about that a little bit. You, you know, I just, I would love to get another number one for Mitch's door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no, but my goal is, is just to win races really like mm-hmm. and get whole shots and, you know, have the bike sound badass and. You know, have the guys able to do sections that the other guys are struggling to do. Like I, I dig that stuff. And, yeah. And uh, you know, pro circuit's a lot of work. You know, a lot of hours. Oh yeah. And but my family situation is pretty good for that. I have a lot of support at home with my wife Sarah. She mm-hmm. uh, she works part time at my kid's school, so um, you know her schedule is quite flexible. And, um, you know, my, I have two kids, a nine-year-old and 11-year-old and, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty good with me being gone. Like, you know, they talk to me on the phone and stuff and, and, um, yeah. So none of it really wears you down at this point. You're not, 
You know, uh, I mean, yeah. definitely, like, there's times where I get worn down, but generally, <laughs> like, generally, I have a pretty good situation. I feel like it's a good, yeah, good place for me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I imagine, I mean, looking down the road at some point, you could see yourself, you know, even being more elevated as Mitch ages, and you're just maybe Mitch isn't coming to many races as as he once did. It's natural that way, and maybe you're taking a, a bigger and bigger role with the team, right? I mean, the team is yeah, not I mean, gonna I, gonna end up. The team's yeah, gonna not keep even going. Sure that. That's yeah. The team is going to be around till you know, yeah. and Mitch has made steps to make sure that you know, like it continues on yeah. after him. But uh, I think the main thing that keeps me here, other than it being a good setup, is is learning. Like yeah. I learn all the time, um, and yeah. we're always experimenting with new ways of making products and new. Uh, you know, trying to ring a little bit more out of kicks to get DS. Yeah. Um, I just, I look at the hours you guys put in is insane. I think pro circuit probably puts in the most hours out of any team in the, in the pits. And, and, and I mean, that was always true back in the day. And I would think it's still probably true, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, some people get burnt out and want a, a little less stressful of a job, but not you, Zach, you're, you're all in. I like it. Yeah, I mean it does. It is tough at times, but I mean, uh, and even though we haven't had as many rewards as of late, mm-hmm. it's been it's still rewarding. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean any, yeah. anytime you make power, you know, have a good race, right. it's all worth it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, well said for sure. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars. Uh, Zach White. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Nice, uh, nice trip down memory lane. I think you've done a lot in the sport, um, come a long way, and and uh, certainly you have a front row seat to one of the powerhouse teams in, in a, that's ever existed in our sport, which is uh, which is pretty cool, man. Uh, I gotta say. So um, yeah, hope, hope you. I know you were. I convinced you to do this podcast. You weren't a guy seeking out the attention. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm surprised you got me to talk this long, actually. But. <laughs> well, I, I think you had to. Otherwise, you'd look like a dick if you just hung up. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, thanks for having me on. I, I had fun, too. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate remember it. remember some of that stuff. Yeah, no, like I said, you've done a lot and uh, certainly uh, deserve a, a podcast for all your accomplishments. And uh, thanks for the time, Zach. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you, I guess, uh, I guess at Anaheim, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be our our next event. Right, right. Circuit, at least. So cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. 
Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.